What a song to get stuck in my head, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't. On. Hello, Zan. Hello, my fun way. How are ya? Oh, I'm okay. I know. It's like we say it through gritted teeth. Okay. <laughs> we look. If you, you tuned in and it's Friday or Saturday or Sunday or next month, um, that's fine. We don't care when you listen to Bang On. But hello, 2025. Yeah. Are you vaccinated yeah. yet? <laughs> we we're literally 15 minutes away from the news that that us in Victoria are going back down into lockdown. Mm. So if we sound a bit flat, we might be a bit flat. So we'll yeah. perk up by the end of the episode. Because, we'll feel better after this because as we always do, we. Like once we've done Bang On, we feel really good and we hope that you do too. So mm. it's nice to be able to sort of, you know, be with friends before they lock lock us out and on my bloody birthday and everything. Oh, no, it's what a lonely loser. What a, I mean, it's first world problems, of course, but yeah, it's like, oh God. Please just absolutely soak Miff's social accounts in love tomorrow. Oh no, it's not tomorrow, it's Saturday. Saturday. Oh. But you can start tomorrow. Saturday. Care. Start any day. <laughs> May the 29th. Before her birthday. Just don't let me do a, an Instagram live because I'll be home alone <laughs> with wine. Oh, I say if, do do an Instagram you, live. If you see that happening, Zan, can you please just... I'm joining in. Okay. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done that. could be dangerous. It could be very dangerous, We're yeah. we to be back to Zoom screens. Home alone on your birthday is, is, is very dangerous. We're sending lots of love to everybody who's feeling the same. We know that this is the thing you have to do. Um, yep. it, it sucks. It's a flattening feeling. It's... It reminds us a lot of where we've been and I think that there's that fear um, that's deeply embedded in Melbourne and, and Victorian psyches. Mm. So that's where we're at. It's a bit deflating, isn't it? We're it's like a bit a, deflating. We're like a sad old rubber balloon. Oh, I feel like I've been gone. punched in the guts. Let's yeah. bang on. <laughs> let's, well, this is how we make it, made ourselves feel better during all of that six months lockdown. So let's do it again. Let's do it again. There's been lots to talk about this week as well. Oh, bang on is so your good. <laughs> home. We are your shortcut. You don't have to read the think pieces. You barely even have to bloody Google. Miff Googles for you. That's right. Um, and this week, That's amazing the one thing news. I'm good at Googling. <laughs> for The Bachelorette, um, this just rolled in because I haven't seen you in a week and a bit because of Eurovision. Uh-huh. Congratulations. That feels like a world away already. Oh, no, seriously. But the announcement for who's going to be the next Bachelorette rolled in and she will be openly bisexual. She is openly bisexual, but the first contestant to be so. And both men and women are going to battle it out for her heart on the new season of The Bachelorette. We're talking about a proud Nungya Yamachi woman from Western Australia, Brooke Blurton, yep, first is a new bachelorette. This is the best news ever. And I can I say, I will be watching the shit out of this. I adore Brooke. I follow her on Instagram. I think she's brilliant. She was great in that series of The Bachelor that you made me watch. With, with the Honey Badger. With the Honey Badger. Um, I thought she was fabulous then. And she's just so switched on and so cool. And like, you know, again, I look at the younger generations and just think, we're okay because mm. they're they're so much better at articulating who they are and what they need and and not giving in to the pressures of other people's societal expectations and and Brooke is one of those and she is yeah she's she's awesome so I'm I'm excited I'll be I'll be watching the shit out of this and there'll be ma- male and female contestants yeah as has well. this ever been done anywhere else Never. in the world like no queer or openly gay 
Never. Well, there've been there've been gay bachelors who've then come out. That's as, what I'm. Yeah, okay. As gay, but, but not going into not it, going being into openly it. out. And I reckon this actually signifies a huge change culturally because I think the the, the franchise of The Bachelor is is part owned by like a Disney. I, I'm not sure exactly, but it's one of those big conservative American hefty production companies that owns the the licensing for the franchise. Mm. And for for that to be going ahead and uh, with openly bisexual contestants um that is extraordinary that's a huge change culturally because that means this will then follow on in america perhaps or other countries um yeah it's kind of huge i'm excited for this also in case you missed it the bachelor for this coming season in australia is jimmy nicholson who is of new zealand and fijian heritage so you've got two people of color leading the bachelor and the bachelorette in 2021 yep the future is here Huge deal. Taika Watiti, speaking of New Zealanders, <laughs> in a thruple. Oh, this was this was news <laughs> news I didn't know I needed this week. Um, three of them seen canoodling after a night out on his balcony, which I love even more because we've all been there sitting on someone's balcony at <laughs> eight in the morning with a glass of wine, going, "Why am I here?" You know, behind the eyes are going, "What am I doing?" You but, can see as well the tone of the uh, pictures because there are a couple of glasses on the table, and it's that very early morning light where you know when you're at a party and you're like, I've just got to leave before the sun comes up. I've just got to leave before the sun comes out. And if you don't, then you're locked in. You're like, okay, we're all here now. It's the light of day. Let's put the sunglasses on. But we've been going for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just deal with it and sit in this moment. And that's what we saw splashed across every single tabloid. Yep. Um, For anybody who missed it as well, Taika Waititi has been dating Rita Ora, who I'm assuming is in town for The Voice. Or something like that. I'd say so. I um, don't know. All those shows start to run into one for me. I'm yeah. just like, you're here for something. <laughs> you sing, yep. your chair spins around, something yep. else happens, there's a mentor. Um, Tessa Thompson is the other part of this thruple. Amazing actor. I love Tessa and she's starring in the new Thor film and it showed them all very close. One, one of the on, things... Is directing the Thor film? Yeah. <sighs> It's problematic. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's it. another conversation. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's another conversation. Okay. But here's the thing. Okay, so there's been updates. And before we get to the updates, which might clarify that for you, um, some of the mainstream media have reported the shots of Rita and Tessa as gal pals and party pash. <laughs> and it's like, can't you just say they're queer and they're having a good time? It's like yeah. so, so hilariously conservative. Mm. Gal pals. I know, I know. It's yeah. <laughs> How many gal pals have there been in the past? Yeah, that's the thing, you know, all of this, people are just I think that the younger generation are like, no, we've we're done with all this stuff. This is it like that kind of approach to even a story like this is so ancient and it feels so heavy and yeah. sort of almost like a Luddite's approach to understanding yeah. what on earth goes on in life and with people. And at parties and, and at seven AM after the parties and, yeah, and, still kicking You know, off. anything can happen and we are t- like we're, and I feel like they knew that photo was being taken. They've just gone, let's give them something. Let's give it to them. Well, they certainly did. Yeah. I saw more photos emerge though. Here's the update you've been waiting for. Mm. Um, just in the last day, photos of Tessa Thompson kissing a model, a Sydney model, Zach Stenmark. Don't know him. Don't really roll around in those circles. No, I don't know who any of this, the young social <laughs> social butterflies Never are anymore. Never been invited to Australian Fashion Week? No. 
still waiting for that invitation. But they were outside the party the same morning. Oh, really? Exchanging a kiss. I love this for her. And one of the kickers, so it's obviously <laughs> been a great party, um, a lot of emotions, just everyone enjoying themselves. Yeah, a bit tired and emotional at the end of the night saying goodnight. And with that picture, because they're standing in the street, this um, is what I loved about this, that oh you God. alerted me to this. I'm going to put a link because you've got to see this to believe it. A fashion update. I know. Tessa Thompson wearing jeans that have what I can only describe as someone's taken the good scissors to them mm. on the side and they've got long rectangular shapes cut out down the side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why. Well, you don't need to know We're why. We're heading into it's autumn, denim, winter. It must be cold. Fashion. Well, it's cold <laughs> but not cold enough. Um and she's in Sydney, which is it was at that time a very hot party. Yeah, hot party. You can get a bit of air in there because it does get a bit hot and sweaty around there, doesn't it? <laughs> so that's good. Get a bit of air going around, you know. Um, I'm, I'm all for those jeans. This story had everything this week. Yep. Thank you, the internet. Hey, did you hear about the Linda Lindas as well? Oh, this was another thing that just made me so happy this week, seeing the Linda Lindas, which is a bunch of girls who, are, who have made a band and they – Belted out a song that was so girl power, it was ridiculous. I loved it. Shall we take a little listen to it? So that's their hit now. It's gone viral. So good um, seeing them perform that. I think they're all like 10, 12, 13 years old. Again, the future. The I'm future. so excited. I love it. I love it. Um, they're tweens and teens. And in the song, Racist, Sexist Boy, uh, they're calling out anti-Asian American bias and misogyny. Like I said, they can articulate this stuff. We didn't even know it existed back then. I love it. And some of the, some of the lyrics are great. Poser, blockhead, riffraff, jerk face. <laughs> <laughs> jerk face. Yeah. I love it. They've signed a deal with one of the most legendary punk labels, Epitaph, as well. So good on you, the Linda Lindas. I'll put that little uh, video of them singing that whole song in the show notes as well. Sad news coming through in the last few hours too. For anybody who read The Hungry Caterpillar, which is pretty much everyone. Everybody. As you're a little kid or maybe you've gifted it to a little person in your life. I know I buy this book heaps when my friends have babies. Yep. Um, he sadly passed away. I know, but I was thinking about this. He was in his 90s, the author, Eric Carle, uh, and I was thinking about this. What a legacy to leave. That book has been on the shelves since the 60s and, like you said, nearly everyone put their fingers through the little holes that the very hungry caterpillar had eaten <laughs> into those beautiful fruits and all sorts of things. What was it? Fruits, sausage, cakes, everything. He was very hungry. He was very hungry <laughs> and I, I understood that as a young child. <laughs> Have you seen the crazy merchandising that's gone around the Hungry Caterpillar no. as well? Like you can buy everything. It's just wild and different kinds of like um, tactile books and all kinds mm. of stuff. So um, whoever sold the rights to the Very Hungry Caterpillar must be a very happy caterpillar right yeah, now. absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. it's probably yeah. doing very, very well for them. Yep. Um, but what a legacy. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful legacy. I'd love to leave that kind of legacy. Yeah, it's still time to go. Yeah. I can't imagine what you, what would you do to have that kind of legacy? Oh, that's a really big question to mm. ask on a morning where I've completely lost all will <laughs> to go on. It's a really big question. I'll get back to you. What would you do to change the world? Oh, dear. Because I'm still in my Ugg boots at this stage. I know, Mif. I know. <laughs>
Well, I was going to dress up today and I, I stopped I that. was totally going to as well and then I just oh, went, fuck nah, it. Fuck it. Here we are again. <laughs> Active wear for the win. Uh-huh. Today also marks Reconciliation Week kicking off MIF. And again, there are a lot of events that were going to be taking place across Victoria, which sadly will be postponed or cancelled. So feeling for everybody who is taking part in those. Um, but Reconciliation Week is something different to NADOC. It's different to other um, times through the year where we think about First Nations achievements, First Nations issues. And I was kind of thinking about where I sit in all of this because we talk about, you know, this quite a lot in Bang On. What do two middle-aged, middle-class white women have to say about First Nations stories? One of the things that I was looking at in the last day or so was the Uluru Statement from the Heart. And the reason I was looking at it really closely was because, first of all, it is a beautiful and poetic statement, truly from the heart, asking for reconciliation, asking for a path forward, but it also won the 2021 Sydney Peace Prize yesterday. Yep. Um, and one of the key messages in this statement, which if you haven't read it yet, I'm going to put in the show notes, yeah, give it a read. It was seeking a meaningful constitutional recognition. And this is something that John Howard tabled all the way back in 2007. Yep. It's something that Indigenous Australians have been waiting for for a very long time. And this morning when I was um, listening to RN Breakfast, um, because I'm, you know, that age now. I listen to Fran Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> not, not sorry. Good on you. Um, she had a really fantastic conversation with three of the people who accepted the award on behalf of everyone who worked on the statement, and it was a huge community of people who did. But the three people that were there accepting the award yesterday were Professor Megan Davis and Pat Anderson and Noel Pearson. And Megan Davis particularly was pointing out that the meaning of reconciliation suggests coming together of friends after a dispute. Like if you look at the definition of it, that's what it means. But she kind of pointed out that, you know, at the heart of the Uluru Statement, that it's an invitation to first meet Indigenous Australians because many white Australians haven't met and haven't heard the stories of the people who were here before us. And we need to do that. We need, and truth-telling is also a huge part of that. We need to hear the stories of what happened, hear the stories of how white and black Australia coexisted through the last 200 odd years. We need to hear all of it and we can't move forward without hearing what happened, acknowledging what happened and speaking about what happened first, which is something that we still seem um, very incapable of doing on a national level. And that really resonated with me, that idea of, yeah, reconciliation is kind of like, oh, I'm I'm sorting something out with someone that I had a relationship with before. But many of us and systemically – Australia does not have a great relationship with our first peoples. Well, reconciliation, you said it's its about a dispute and coming to an agreement. I think most First Nations peoples would say that there is no dispute because they were not arguing. It, there was no argument in the first place. They weren't given a chance. Yeah. There was, you know, like, so that's where it gets confusing. And there are people who uh, believe that treaty is the way to go, not necessarily just reconciliation in the form of this Uluru Statement of the Heart and having a, a voice in Parliament. They, they, they truly believe that there needs to be a, a treaty, which is an actual um, acknowledgement of First Nations peoples. And Australia, which many countries around the world have well, done, Australia but Australia is hasn't. the only Commonwealth country that has not had a treaty with 
their First Nations peoples. Mm. And that's pretty sad. And I, you can see the difference when you travel to New Zealand. Um, huge you go to difference. Te Papa, the National Museum in Wellington, I think it is. And you, you can see how that resonates through within culture, within politics, through all levels of mm. how New Zealand operates. Yeah. It it's does re- have a flow-on effect to have it's that treaty. Yeah, it's, it's respect. respect. Rather than this bullshit argument that, that First Nations have to prove something, it's like, no, it's actually about respect. And I think Briggs, you, you know, rapper Briggs, mm. uh, he wrote online, reconciliation is for white people. You're the ones that need to reconcile. And I kind of think he's absolutely right on that. And it's not about blame and it's not about I didn't do this. It's actually just about respect. We've been utterly disrespectful to our First Nations peoples and we should be proud of that culture. We should be proud of it. And it, it just does my nut in that, that this continues and that they're still asking for for acknowledgement. Like it's embarrassing. Mm. Yeah. Over the next week but really over every day, think about um, if you're a, a non-Indigenous Australian, mm. how how you can reconcile our past so we can move toward the future. Yep. A great article was flying around this week from the New York Times and it's on Sinead O'Connor who's just released or is about to release her memoir, which I can't wait to read. And uh, it's by Amanda Hess. It's called Sinead O'Connor Remembers Things Differently. And uh, the, the subheading, the mainstream narrative is that a pop star ripped up a photo of the Pope on Saturday Night Live and derailed her life. What if the opposite were true? Mm. And I love this because thinking about what we were talking about last week and reassessing uh, some of the things that really permeated the media at that time, you know, calling somebody, uh, well, deriding Sinead O'Connor for, for cutting up pictures of the Pope as sacrilegious when in actual fact she was standing up for what she believed in and time has proved that she was actually completely and utterly on the money. And, yeah, she and was what, protesting the abuse and the abuse was there. Ten and, years later it all came out. Yeah, it all came out and and she had probably experienced that firsthand as a child growing up in Ireland and also that whole narrative of, of her not fitting the mould in that she was a little bit crazy because she did things like that, you know, and understanding now that that term has been used to silence women in particular and women in pop. And there was so many things in this article that I just just went, I was just pumping yeah, it, I was fist pumping, same. going, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean that, like, as you say, we're really reflecting back on these moments in pop culture where not only how, you know, we're thinking about how artists were framed but also how we thought about them at the time. Well, how, yeah, and, and I think that's all through a prism of our own lack of understanding of a lot of these things. And for a long time, that's how the world worked. And fortunately, it's changing. One of the things that really stands out in this article is that idea that, you know, crazy, and particularly as it applies to women, crazy is a way to silence people. Mm. It's got nothing to do with how someone's brain works. It's got everything to do with how something is culturally received. And even Sinead, you sort of get this sense. And again, after reading this, I'm like, I want to read this whole book, Mm. Rememberings, when she puts it out too. She talks about how that huge moment on that second album where she covers Prince's Nothing Compares to You and it just takes her to the top of the charts. But really the foundations of who she was as a musician was she was never a pop star. Mm. Um, She was someone who always had a punk ethic 
and she feel, feels like having that number one record derailed her career and tearing the photo put me back on the right track. Mm. So there was never a moment that she was like, oh, no, what have I done? I've ruined my career. It was like, no, the, the, the way that this turned out without my intention of it becoming me becoming this star. She was being true to herself. Yeah, it's amazing. Moment. And she was ostracised completely when she performed at the Bob Dylan anniversary concert. I'm not sure for what anniversary. Um, she was booed on stage and uh, she was derided by, I, I would imagine, mostly men in the media uh, for her stance. The only person who looked after her, I've heard, was Chris Christopherson, I think. He oh, gave right. her a big oh, hug I remember and, that. Yeah. and sorted her out. And I don't even know where I got that information, I but everybody that. else shunted her, like just completely pushed her away for doing what is essentially or was essentially the absolutely right thing. And, yeah, uh, history history proves her to be completely on the money, yeah. One of the other things that's referenced in this article and is apparently gone into detail in the memoir is her dealings with Prince because after she, you know, made a hit out of a song that he mm. never formally recorded, Nothing Compares to You, he summoned her to his mansion in Hollywood and according to Sinead O'Connor, did a whole bunch of really shit things, you know, told her off for swearing in interviews, um, harangued his butler to serve her soup, though she repeatedly refused it, and then sweetly suggested a pillow fight only to thump her with something hard he'd slipped into the pillowcase. Then she escaped on foot in the middle of the night and he, according to Sinead O'Connor, stalked her with his car, leapt out and chased her down the highway. Oh, see, and, you know, in my I don't want to hear this stuff about Prince, but I have to. Mm. I absolutely have to. Um, I, I was under the assumption that he was one of the good ones. But yet again, we've got another bloke who does not know how to deal with a woman who is of a different ilk and not a people pleaser and not somebody who... Um, operates on the same level as as others but I, I hasten to say that Prince probably didn't operate on the same level as others either and he his behavior was probably forgiven but yeah exactly that idea of the, the genius versus the crazy person yeah, and the, again wasn't. like that's these these terms are assigned to you differently depending on what what gender you are yeah. it happens time and time again doesn't it the line that really um struck me in this article and I, I haven't got it in front of me but when she mentions about Britney Spears and how badly Britney's been treated and she says, um, if you see a woman crying in the street, your first impulse would be to hug her if you knew who she was, to make sure she's okay. And yet people photographed her. And that's how just utterly awful our culture is and was to women in distress. Mm. Yeah. Vultures. Yeah, it's Awful. 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 She seems like writing this, she's very at peace. She's obviously had to relive a lot of these traumas, but she seems um, like she's got a very strong sense of self. I love this piece. It's it's such a great read. It's such a good read. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Again, you know, it'll make you feel all sorts of things that we probably need to feel right now. Mostly angry. And think about, yeah, think about how you... You you felt when you were seeing all these things happen, when you saw that SNL performance, everything. We were all part of that. If you're of a certain age, we're all part of that conversation, that cultural conversation. Mm. Um, and it took us back to, yeah, rethinking about our own reactions. 
Um, you sent me an amazing piece this week, which resonated heavily, oh, and, and I know that it will with everyone else. <laughs> Bedtime procrastination. Oh, look, there's there's not a lot to say about this one. <laughs> it's just nodding and going, yes. Why do I do it, and why will I continue to do it, even though I know it's bad for yeah, me? Yeah, it's called revenge bedtime procrastination. So they've, <laughs> why given, revenge? they've given it a name because you're getting back at your own shitty little life and having <laughs> and having a couple of hours on your own just to doom scroll, and that makes you feel good. Which says, <laughs> but how always in, the regret the yeah, next morning. Always, it, it just says how entirely messed up our lives are at the moment. <laughs> like the fact that we look at that as a sign of pleasure. For we look for that to give us pleasure rather than you know getting a good night's sleep. And look, I do it all the time. I'm mad for a bit of revenge bedtime procrastination. I hate feeling like. I have to go to bed and go to sleep. Like, it makes me angry. So <laughs> I, I totally get it. But um, it's obviously a very bad thing and I don't condone that behaviour. Do you reckon that's a hangover? I was talking to someone about this the other day. Parents. and it's, a hang- it's totally a hangover from I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do what I want. It's not about you. I can do what I want. I don't want to go to bed. I'm not going to bed. <laughs> no, I'm not tired. Remember that? You're overtired. Gee, that... <laughs> That always got a good response. Tantrum incoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so. it's specifically about having time to yourself too, isn't it? Mm. It's not just – it's not about like sitting next to someone and being on your phone. It's literally about this is my time to do whatever I want, to not be judged for scrolling, yep. um, to do a bit of online shopping, to, to, you know, basically just completely indulge in in all these things at your own pace mm-hmm. and be completely solo when you do it. There is a joy to that. Yeah, shutting the world out. I think it's our form of meditation or at least that's what I say to myself. <laughs> Tell us, switch off. Um, um, you uh, you pointed me to a great little story as well from Sinead Stubbins, whose book comes out this week, Chat to Cancel, due to the lockdown. Chat to Cancel her launch. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's a writer for all sorts of things, um, including Charlie Pickering's show, yeah. The Weekly. She does lots of other things, but she's written a book and uh, there was an excerpt in The Guardian this week and it's basically the anatomy of an adult apartment. (laughs) Yes, I feel very seen and incredibly unoriginal after reading this. I mean, let's just go through the list because I feel like Bang Fam are going to be nodding as I um, go through the list Mm -hmm. of what makes an adult apartment... Yeah, it's all about the decor that tells a lie, isn't it? That you have this whole thing figured out, that you're an adult um, and therefore the things around you are, you know, proclaiming to the world that you're an adult. Mm. A plant is something that obviously shows you're in an adult apartment. The status symbols of adult apartments of the 21st century, a handheld grater. I haven't got that yet, but I saw one at my friend's house the other week and, yes, I said... Where do I get one? I've got one. I use it often. I don't know, as she says, if people see you using the grater that you'll fall in love with them immediately and want to have sex with them. Mm. Um, She says, I don't know why it just happens, so I'm yet to test that theory. A candle, can I just acknowledge that I got three scented candles Mm. for my recent birthday, including one from you? Yeah, thank you. No (laughs) worries. Um, But she also says that that candles... um, often cost a lot of money and people generally feel safer when they're in proximity to money. What she doesn't realise that in my house the candles work to cover up the cat smell. (laughs) (laughs) The cat and dog smell. So I'm fine with that. An artisanal ceramic plate. Cast your eyes just to the right there there and you'll see one right there. And I haven't put anything in it because it's too nice to put things in there. So it's just an empty plate. It'll be a key holder before you know it. (laughs) Um, a, a drink cart. Yeah, have you got one of those? Well, I was going to get one, but then I got that piece of furniture which also acts as a drink cart. It it's basically a glorified drink yeah, cart. So yeah, there we are. Totally so far is. it's um, one in all in. A cream-coloured rug with boobs drawn on it. I don't Prove know that this you're rug. fun. I don't know this rug. I know rug. this rug. Do you? I haven't got one though. Oh, it's so spot on. Yeah, a piece of art that is sort of mocking you. Have you got that? I don't think I've got that, although I haven't been able to hang up my art at home because we've been in a perennial state of lockdown and every time I try 
try. We mm. go into lockdown down again. That is an ultimate first world problem, but I haven't had any art on my horse <laughs> for the last two years. Oh, and then they've got books. People need to see that you've got books. And then there's a picture of a guy on a couch with a piano and lots of books, and it essentially could be my house. <laughs> so... Yep. A cashmere throw? Surely. Yep. Yeah. I've got a nice little rug over there in the corner. A wooden we're, dining we're, table. We're on, we on it. right now. Soap made with Australian native plants. I now, stocked up last lockdown. Can I say I just bought some more as well before the lockdown was announced it's and I good. am now buying the soap that I, when I was staying with you. Yeah, it's beautiful. I was like, I love this. Yeah. And so you've put me on to my favourite Australian native plant. There you go. We are awful people. A record player. Tick. Of course. And the spare room, oh, a place wow. for old Christmas cards and the clothes horse and your exercise bike and the bread maker and the desk you don't use, the old typewriter you don't use mm-hmm. and your hopes and dreams and broken phones. Oh God. Sinead, you know you us for too well. Seeing us so clearly, yeah. so yeah. brutally. Incredible. Hey, before we get into bang on this week, can mm-hmm. I open up the bang box? Oh yeah, please. A couple of lovely emails. Thank you to everyone who sends us emails. Email addresses in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Huge. Oops. Not oh, guess what I found yesterday too, the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Took me ages. I, I was going, where are they? It's all at the bottom of your feed on your Apple podcast for those that don't know. Right down the bottom. Like I was, I gave up. There's so I've many podcasts. I've literally been there. sending you screenshots of those reviews for three years. I know. I finally <laughs> found out where they are. Look, it's a, and it was a long journey. <laughs> I didn't want to call you and say I can't find them because you just put you gave me a link to it and I was like, I can't find it. I had to actually look for them. Good learning. Thank, Thank you to you. everyone who leaves reviews. We love them. Yeah. Um, to Emily, who was emailing in from Elizabeth in South Australia. I know Elizabeth well. Well, Emily lives there and she's just a new fan of Bang On. You both have me captivated, she said. As another Bang fam said, you two feel like the cool aunties I never had and where all the topics are on the table for discussion. So Emily is a 25, she works as a cleaner, and consequently spends a lot of time alone and without many people to talk to. So she gets a good solid eight hours without really speaking to anyone. But as she says, having the two of you bang my ear holes (laughs) has been an absolute pleasure. I can't get enough. Uh, Rest assured, I've gone right back to episode one and I'm listening to every single podcast because, well, you can never bang on with Zan and Miff enough. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Emily's recommending us to everyone, her mum, my bosses, who are both middle-aged males. How are they going with it? I'd love to know. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to get them to send us a review. A lot of my male and female friends, because I feel the discussions and opinions you have should be more openly discussed and that critically thinking about the world around us and even our effects on others is necessary to bettering ourselves and others. Anyway, sorry for the essay. Love you both as if you were my legitimate family, but aren't we anyway now? Yes, Emily, we're Bang Fam. Bang fam. Welcome to the Bang Fam. And another really quick one from Tana who just said, you've been doing a lot of gardening with me, pruning, planting, weeding. Now different trees evoke different conversations we've had. (laughs) I love that. I've a rose silently prompting me to watch that show that I should watch. A berry I bolstered while you talked about that thing. A garden bed that reminds me of Beryl. How is Beryl? She's good. I, I don't know. Have you seen her around? I haven't seen her around. Look, she's keeping to herself. She's she's uh, keeping to her daytime telly schedule, watching, that is. Um, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I can summon up <laughs> Beryl anymore. I don't know if I've got to. <laughs> do we need a Ouija board? I think we do. <laughs> I don't, uh, hang on. 
I, I genuinely can't summon. Is she being buried under Ben Affleck? Oh, yeah, she has. <laughs> hey, it's me. Hey, it's me, Ben Affleck. Um, oh, I, can't, no, I can't do it. Beryl's gone. She's left me. Has she gone and gotten some scones or something? Maybe no, I just need to speak has. a bit more gently. Beryl, where are you, I love? Don't know if I genuinely don't know if I can oh, get God. my mouth in, Beryl. I've forgotten how to do it. It's been a hard day. It's been a hard day, haven't you? <laughs> genuinely don't know how to rustle up, Beryl. I'll see if I can get her on next week. We'll see if she wants to come for a visit. I'll do some work. We'll put the kettle on for you, Beryl. And yeah. If you're, if you're in the neighbourhood. Well, that's it. That people will want to listen next week for Beryl. <laughs> of course. Come for the come for the info. Stay for the barrel. Stay for barrel. <laughs> oh man! In amongst it all, um, have you seen, watched, indulged in anything? What are you banging on about this week? Yes, I've seen lots of things this week. Oh my god! I'm watching Mayor of Easttown. I fi- I, I pushed through that first episode, loving it. Are you up to the no, up to date? Okay, no, I'm not well, up to date. So no don't, spoilers. Don't final final episode this week. Don't Monday. talk to me. But okay. um, <laughs> I finally watched the Tina Turner documentary. That's on oh binge. yeah. Oh again. So it's like, oh, no. but It's also, a documentary too, isn't it? It's not a biopic. No, and, yeah. and, and she has been involved. Um, it's a real exploration into her very, very difficult earlier life with Ike and a lot of um, historical interviews that she did. She doesn't really talk about the abuse of her relationship with Ike, but you do hear a, a lot of excerpts from... She only did one or two interviews at the time about it, but obviously that then became her story. But mm. but she kind of she did that in order to reclaim her own life. She she decided to to do it, explain what had happened and why she left Ike, who were phenomenally huge in the US. And when she did that, then that became everybody's story. And she still, you know, you can tell she's still hurt by that stuff. It was it was awful abuse, awful. That that idea of someone's something that happened to you becoming your story. I think about that a lot when I think about Tina Turner because sometimes, like the other day when she was announced as being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall mm. of Fame, I played simply the best because it's like she's simply the best. She's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I didn't. But then someone texted in and they're like, "I can't believe you're playing a song that she collaborated with Jimmy Barnes when she's like stands on her own." No, it's that like, was but an, that was an ad campaign. In Australia for the rugby, that wasn't her. That she did that originally herself. Yeah, it was written by an Australian. Yeah, um, Mike, Mike, Mike Chapman, but it certainly was her song before it became Barnsley's. Yeah, and I, I wanted to play it honestly because first of all, I had a number of Tina Turner songs that I could access in the playout system we have, but also I still feel weird about playing Ike and Tina Turner, and my reaction to that kind of sucks because again. The story of his abuse, of what he did, hijacks part of her career. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see this documentary because of that reason that she can tell her own story and that that part of her life doesn't dominate her story, which mm. has been an extraordinary career. I think what you learn from this is that that part of her life, uh, she reclaimed it in her performance, through her performance. That was her, that was her respite. Um, that was where she was free. Mm. And uh, so in a way I think I, I won't turn my back on that era because mm. of that. She That was her and, and and that gave her pleasure in a life that was pretty, pretty depleted of any kind of other pleasure and there's some really heartbreaking stuff in there. But the best bit is towards the end, you know, this is essentially her goodbye to the world. She's mm. had enough, she's done. Her reclaiming of her own story, all she got out of that Ike and Tina Turner relationship was because Tina's not even her name. 
She got to keep her name. She got no money for any of it, but she kept her name and she made a career in her 40s when no one believed that she could do it and she did it. And and that to me is the the dominant story I take out, take from it. And and then, you know, in the end she meets a young hot thing and they get married and she lives happily ever after and bloody well good on it. Just living her best life in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah it's re- and look, I just want to live at her house in Switzerland. <laughs> it, it was amazing. <laughs> just loved it. So yeah, it's um it's harrowing, but it's it's an essential watch. Okay. What what have you been watching, reading, listening, doing whatever to? Well, I would like to tell you that I did go back into Holston. Ah. And I loved it. It's still clunky. It's clunky in but bits, it didn't but, the... but I didn't notice it as much. Mm. I really noticed it. And you know what? I will say this. I think it's because I was watching it with someone else who, you know, you pick up on someone's body language mm. and they're not enjoying it. If and they're that not really... into passion, they yeah. might not be into it. It just totally affected the way I was enjoying it. So I just watched it all by myself mm. and friggin' loved it. Oh, the yeah. How good are the interiors? Set design is insane. Oh. And the fashion. fashion. <laughs> so good. It's the best. And, and look, also it's five episodes. A lot of people say that, you know, some of the fashion stuff. Someone corrected me um, on Twitter about what Holston was responsible for for and he wasn't responsible for the pillbox hat but he was the first to put it on the president's wife yeah and and make it kind of a big thing and he also he was responsible for ultra suede he wasn't though apparently responsible for ultra suede oh okay he made it famous and and you know i think this is why some people are getting their 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 what are your shackles is that it getting your shackles up (laughs) um but you know that we've corrected that but still he's responsible for red interiors at work Mm. all red that i i'm living for so plush oh so, so good. Yeah. So I've been enjoying that. I smashed that um, since we last spoke. But what I want to bang on about today is kind of a bittersweet bang on mm. um, because last night I attended the opening night of Rising Festival. Yay. This is a new winter festival, sort of autumn winter festival that um, takes the place of the Melbourne Arts Festival and also the White Night Festival, which if you are from Victoria, you probably have heard of both. And the funding for both of those has gone into this Rising Festival, which was supposed to kick off last year, obviously didn't, kicking off this year magical opening night. Um, I wandered through the Sydney Maya Music Bowl, which is this gorgeous outdoor natural amphitheatre that had just been transformed into this Mm. thing called the wilds, all this amazing open air art, bamboo and lit up thing. I don't even know how to explain it, but it just felt like you're in this kind of... Fantasy land by the sound of things. Fantasy land. And at the middle of it, they'd put an ice skating rink over some of the seats in the bowl and a massive, massive moon, which last night as the super moon was rising, there was just all of these crescent moon and full moon motifs throughout it. And that's the kind of aesthetic of rising. And it just felt so beautiful to be in art to be surrounded by this incredible soundscape, to feel it all, Mm. to be surrounded by people who were as enchanted as I was and to be in that space because I I think it's the first arts festival that has returned since, particularly in Victoria, since all this shit happened. It just like, it, it, it takes over you. I was there with some very good friends of mine. It was very COVID safe, which is fantastic. They were able to open, everyone had masks on even though it was outdoors and it just felt so exciting to be in it. Um, and I'm so glad and grateful that I went because now it's looking likely that rising will not be happening this week. Mm. I have no idea what this, at the time of recording what it means it's for a festival that's only due luck. to run for like 10 days. Bad luck, isn't it? It's awful. It feels, I feel for everyone who's had to postpone, to cancel, to whose livelihood is upset by this, artists and the huge industry that exists around these events. Because yeah. I saw it last night. I was just like, it's all the people how that much put it work together. went into this, you well, know? It's, it's all the ideas. It's, it's waiting for it to, to come together. It's, it's all the 
thousands of people that it's make years. it happen. It's years. Yeah, and it's but devastating. I don't know what's going to happen with Rising. I'll hope for the best. But the other thing that happened this week was Vivid Live was announced. It's a phenomenal lineup mm. of music and talks and, again, magical lights. Illuminate Adelaide is a new festival for Adelaide that's going to be coming at the end of, well, through July and into the start of August. That's announcing its full lineup really soon. The Avalanches are doing a bunch of stuff that's already yeah. been announced. Darwin Festival is happening in the most beautiful time of the year for Darwin in August, including the National Indigenous Music Awards. What I'm saying is I'm banging on about going out, being in these arts events for your own good because it feels so, so wonderful to be in there and I loved it last night. But also to support the artists who have been working so hard through this, many of whom have not been paid, have been given, you know, the absolute short straw in this pandemic and not supported in the way that other industries have been. Now that these things are coming back, buy tickets, go out and be there and see the art that Australians are making. It's freaking incredible. Mm. So that's what I'm banging on about. Thank you. Bittersweet. Yeah. We were going to go there tonight. I know. Oh, well. You know, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, ours, Ali Benton, always described um, Vivid Live as, um, I'm just going to stick a torch down Mandy's. (laughs) So now that we're in lockdown, maybe we can create our own arts festival. That'll be my Instagram live on Saturday night for my birthday. Okay. I love it. <laughs> uh, see you don't next let me week. do that. Don't let me do that. <laughs> Bye, Zan. Bye. Hopefully I'll see you in person next week. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Bye, lovely. on.